There's nothing to see here. Well, that was supposed to duck a little better, but it didn't. But yeah, there it is. Cool. I'm, I'm actually into that intro a little bit more than I thought I would be. I'm not extremely into it, but you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of energy, really high energy, but it's not everything that I ever wanted it to be. So <laughs> man, I'm not ready for this one. I'm not ready for this one because I got my notes. I got everything ready and set up and I'm over here like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do this. But ah, ah. Okay, before we get into anything else, let's talk about my clips. I, I got some clips for the day, and I want to talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> well, I got, I, I got a few clips, but I want to talk about uh, first one. Let's go with this. Uh, where is it? Right here. Ready for this? Let's go. This is uh, Don Lehman, who's, um, he's a PhD. Man, I should have set that up better, and I should have set it to where I'm pausing it instead of, because I don't have that uh, set up right. Uh, I, sh I need to set this up better. This is from the No Agenda Show. There is a concerted effort, like I believe, I believe there's a concerted effort to get our meat out of production. And it's not just my own belief. And I'm kind of making this up based on what I've heard from other people, but also by conversations that I've had with other people. And I'll get into that after the clip, but I just want to set this up. This is on the plant protein fallacy. So let's get back into that. Where is he from? Uh, he's a, a real dude. Uh, PH, uh, professor in food science and human nutrition at University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. And he's being interviewed by this guy, Atia. And he's, and he's going to give us a little bit of the lowdown on the fake meat that uh, obviously we're going to have to start eating, not because it will be our, our preference, but because it will be labeled nutritious. Uh, it will taste great. It will feel right. And it'll be much cheaper, eventually, as beef is. That's the irony. It won't be right away. No, no, and not if it correct. ever is, it may never be cheaper. Well, it, it'll be more accessible. You're just not going to have the beef. They're getting rid of cow. And actually, now, um, now that I think about it, well, I'll play these clips and then we'll talk about that. So here he is describing how, what the process is, it is a processed food, of the uh, impossible meat, fake meat ingredients. I just realized I'm doing like clipception. This is like inception with clips. I am playing a clip of Adam playing a clip that he got. That's kind of crazy. Back into it. Let's take Beyond Burger. Basically, oh, Beyond it's Burger. a pea protein that's produced in Canada. It's shipped to China because we can't process it in the United States. There's no processing for the most part. They're beginning to develop it. But when it came out, there was none. Shipped to China. China processes protein, ships us back to the U.S. We know transportation is the number one cause of greenhouse gas in the world. And so now we've shipped it all over the country, comes back to the U.S., and they process it into something with like 25 ingredients, probably five or six of them are not FDA approved. Yum. And so now you have- I wasn't aware of that. Why they so have multiple are. products. They have multiple components and synthetics that have never really been studied. And they're not FDA approved. So they're basically relying on safety without ever proving it. Will that ever come back to haunt them? I don't know. In the spirit of having natural foods, there's certainly not anything natural about them. Anyway, I think that plant-based proteins have been around a long time. I think trying to pretend that it's meat, calling soy drink milk or almond drink milk, 
I think those are travesties. I think those are standards of identity. Almond milk has what, one gram of protein per eight ounces, where cow's milk has eight, calling that milk is pure deception. Yeah, exactly. It cut off badly. I didn't clip that properly. But yeah, that's that's what, if you listen to anyone who knows anything about meat, then you'll understand that to be a truth, a truthism. So there you go. There's There's your clip. Plant protein fallacy. I clipped that on Fountain. If you want to follow me on Fountain, you can get that there. Uh, my name, my user handle is at Clued. But anyway, that's that's something that I was thinking of when it got me thinking, you know what? This world is going to hell in a handbasket, especially when it comes to meat. I'm going to get some of my own. So I went, I, I followed Texas Slim's podcast, the Texas Slim Vision. And I also have been following the Beef Initiative for oh, quite a while because I wanted to know everything I could about meat. Uh ranchers, what their struggles are, and and everything about that, just because I'm an inquisitive person in that regard, and I just wanted to know. So I reached out to Slim by purchasing some meat. I got the Prime box, and you look across your screen right now, you'll see the photos of what came in the mail. You'll see my meat. Go ahead and and, uh, look at your podcast player right now, and you'll see my meat. It's glorious, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> anyway, um, it's, it's remarkably priced well for something that when you think about it, you think about something, you go to a farmer's market, you think about getting something all natural, all organic, all everything healthy phrase word that you can think of. You think it's going to be priced higher. And especially if you buy it direct, you think it's going to be priced higher. Well, currently, currently it's not even close, not even close. And currently, I mean, because maybe it's maybe it's the supply chains that are actually causing the prices of things in stores to get to insane prices. Maybe it's everyone's finally regulating the market to what should be paid for meat. I don't know. I doubt it. But all I know is, and I'll, I'll put up a picture of the price on the website. Right now, the Beef Initiative's website for the Prime box that I bought, $165, I think. It's still, it should still be. I don't think they changed the prices. And when I put the picture, then it'll be there. That's the correct number, whatever you see. Now I'm going to put a picture of what my brother-in-law paid for beef. And I think I mentioned this on an episode before this. I think it was last episode, maybe. I mentioned that he paid $300 for his. I think it's $360. Let me see the picture right now. Let me pull it up here. And then you you guys will see it. The magic of podcasting, you guys will see it right away. But let me pull that up here. Where is that? 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 Oh, shoot, a second. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay. They paid exactly $302.69. And that is for 18.93 pounds. I paid 165. But there's a caveat. There's a caveat. I live in Washington, so there's shipping fees. If I was in Texas, I could pick it up and pay only 165. Or, yeah, 165. But because I'm in Washington, they had to ship it overnight because it's raw meat. And that's $70. Even then, it's only $240. And it's only, only is a strong word to use here because it's still money, money being spent. But it is still $60 cheaper than what you can buy in Costco. And Costco's meat is not guaranteed to be raised in the same way they do at KNC Cattle. So anyone looking into getting meat properly raised responsibly raised, whatever buzzword you want to use here, go ahead and put that in there, but actually believe in it. 
that's where you get it. Get it through the Beef Initiative or directly through KNC Cattle. It doesn't matter. The money all goes to KNC Cattle or whoever is producing at the time. So look into that. Now, speaking of that, speaking of having a conversation with Slim, Texas Slim himself, um, I got on a phone call with him because every time you make an order, you can schedule an interview with the Beef Initiative. And it's the man himself. Like he's the one who answers the call and gets onto the group chat, the group meet video chat with you. I scheduled a call earlier, uh, or a, what was it? Like I think two weeks ago. And I, and I missed it. I missed the call and I thought all hope is lost. I'll never talk to Slim. He's my hero when it comes to meat. But I rescheduled the meeting and I had a conversation with him. Great guy, down to earth. Exactly what you hear in the podcast. That's exactly how his voice sounds. It's exactly how he talks. So it's pretty much everything is go-getter mindset. Let's, let's talk business because that's what I'm about is getting things done. So had a conversation with him and apparently one of the guys that he's been in contact with in Texas has just moved up north. I think it was to Lewiston. Let me check my text conversations because I'm talking to Texas Slim and his buddy, uh, David is his name on a group chat. Where's my group chat? Come on now. Don't let me down phone. There it is. Came up from Pullman. Yes, he came out to Pullman, Idaho. And I thought, you know what? That'd be great. We can meet up. We can start talking and we can figure out what we can do with beef up in the northern part of the country. And Slim loved that idea. He thought maybe that we should. Well, I mean, I don't know exactly what he was thinking because he didn't say it specifically. But my mindset is I want to do a northern beef initiative. I want to be involved with shaking the rancher's hands out here. I already tried to do something of the nature where I tried calling around to the producers in Washington state. And I guess there's one big producer for beef in Washington state. And there is located in central Washington. I can't remember the city. I looked into this about two months ago, but I want to do something of that nature, like the beef initiative in Northern Washington. And I'd like to start shaking some ranchers hands and get them on board. I don't mean starting a whole new website. Cause I don't have any kind of mind to do that. I don't have any kind of mind to get the logistics involved down. None of that. I just want to be the one to get people turned on to the idea of the beef initiative, have them sign up from Washington to be able to distribute to the Eastern Washington, even Western Washington and Northern Idaho area, or just this part of the country. So that way it doesn't have to come all the way from Texas, all the way up here. And people paid $70 just for shipping. I understand it's necessary for certain things, but maybe it doesn't have to be so. It'd be nice. It'd be really nice if we can do that. So that's that's in the works. On Monday, I'm supposed to meet. I think it was Monday. I have it on the text messages. Uh, where was that? Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday at 10 a.m. I'm supposed to be meeting up with him in Coeur d'Alene. And we're supposed to have a good conversation about all this, all the good stuff. And I'm scheduled to be on. <laughs> I think I am. If I heard Slim right. I mean, this is kind of surprising to me because I don't have that many listeners and I can fudge the numbers on the computer and make it look like I have listeners because it's not that hard to do, um, was it control Q inspect element and then change the numbers on, on your metrics page just to BS everybody and act like, oh my gosh, I have the most listeners support me and give me ads. It's, it's not hard to do that. You can, you can do that with a podcast. It's great. It's wonderful. It's no one can verify it either. So, but I'm not, I'm not one of those people who have insane listenership. But I think Slim said that he wants to have me on his show, which is kind of crazy, and that he would come onto mine, and that I could get onto David's because David has his own uh, podcast, and then maybe he can come onto mine, and it would be great. It would be wonderful 
to just do all that to kind of get into the community, the community, and start talking to people about this stuff. Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's something I'm thinking about, and I wanted to bring that up because it's it's kind of crazy to me how how life is progressing just by saying yes and buying a box of meat on the internet from a stranger in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, I, I got a few more clips that I want to get out of the way. I think it's two more uh, from two different podcasts. So I'm going to get into this one because I thought it was kind of crazy that there is an origin story for one of the modern Bible versions. Now, if you listen to any of my other podcasts, somewhere, somehow, I'll, in, I'll interject the fact that I am a Bible-believing Christian. And when I say Bible-believing Christian, I mean that's what I follow. I don't follow a specific... A spe- wow, stammering. I don't follow a specific denomination because denominational systems are nonsense. I'm an anarcho-Christian or anarcho-Baptist. So for that reason, I follow only one Bible translation that I have ascribed the title of the only true and good translation in the English language today. And that is solely for the Christian, excuse me, the English language. In other languages, I have no idea other than Romanian. And in Romanian, it's, I can't even pronounce it. Probably I sound like such a white guy when I do it, but it's, uh, um, uh, what was it? It was, uh, oh man, I have it on my Bible app, but I don't have my Bible app on this phone. Ugh. I'll figure it out. Anyway, I know the two and those two languages, but that's it. Either way, there is an origin story to the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And I'm going to play you the clip for that now from the Bethel Church podcast. And it is hosted by Mike Hoggard. He's from Bethel, Missouri, or sorry, Festus, Missouri, and he's uh, out of Bethel Church. So uh, just want to play that out for you. I clipped it on Fountain. If you follow me, you can follow his podcast directly because there's too many Bethel churches all over, including the one in Redding, California. And that one is miles apart in every aspect from this one. So going to play that clip for you now. Everything. Meaning that they were paying Zondervan every year for the right to reproduce those verses. Follow me so far? So they got together and they said, what, we don't have Greek scholars in the denomination? We don't have Bible colleges? Why are we paying Zondervan? Why don't we just come up with our own Bible and then we could print it all we want to and we don't have to pay royalties to anybody? So they did. They came up with a brand new translation of the Bible that legally is significantly different from every other translation of the Bible. Or they would have been guilty of copyright errors, copyright breaking copyright laws, and they would be in a lawsuit. So they made a Bible that was significantly different than every other translation so that they wouldn't have to pay royalties anymore to print it. Yeah, that's right. So what do the scholars and believers acknowledge? Here's, here's what I've read, what I've heard from ministries all over the country. We believe in the total inerrancy and infallibility of the Word of God. The Word of God is correct in every word, in everything. My clipping is just not on point today. What in the world was that? Ugh. Okay, um, I'll explain the end of that because for some reason it only clipped half of it. I have no idea why. Um, 
at the end, he starts reading out the statement of faith of most of these churches. And I, I understand that clip is um, kind of Bible thumping. You know, it's it's a little extra on the thumpiness where he's he's one of them. Like he's like a Southern Baptist. I, I really appreciate his fervor and I really appreciate his uh, steadfastness in believing in the one translation that I also ascribe to. So no wonder I would listen to him, you know, uh, echo chamber and such. But uh, he starts reading off the statement of faith of most of these modern day churches who use any modern translation. And the statement of faith goes something like this. We believe in the infallibility and perfection of scripture in the original uh, manuscripts. So by inserting that last few words, those last few words in the original manuscripts, what is that? In the original manuscripts of so five words. In those last five words, that's kind of a get out of jail free card, a cover your ass card. Because what they'll do is they'll say, we believe that the Bible is, is pure and perfect and infallible and the word of God in the original manuscripts, but we believe it. We believe it so hard that it's the best trans. It's the best Bible. It's the best thing you could get. It's completely true in everything that it says in the original manuscripts. And it just does not, it doesn't jive. It doesn't make sense because at that point you're, you're conceding to everyone who denounces the Bible and says it's, it was written by men. And then you also try and you, you try and ride two different sides of the argument. And if you were just consistent, You'd have more respect from everyone. I'm not saying you'd be liked by everyone because obviously, I mean, you're not liked by anyone in either regard, you know, because everyone can see through it. But there's that. There's that clip. Oh, uh, one more thing. I got a sound effect and I'm going to try and use it in this next. (laughs) I need to get my own sound effects. I'm stealing so much from the No Agenda show. But uh, in this next clip, that's the end of that. That's just origins of the Bible. Okay. Uh, Next clip. This is from the... Let me get the name. I'm so unprepared. My goodness. No wonder people don't listen in. No wonder people don't donate. Uh, it is from the Permaculture Pimpcast. One of the better permaculture po- uh, podcasts that there are out there. That one and the Survival Podcast are the two that I know of specifically right now that I actually listen to. There's Living Free in Tennessee and Toolman Tim is kind of getting into some permaculture topics and he's featured on the expert panel of or sorry, expert counsel that Jack Spierko does, but it's not the same. So these two podcasts, when it comes to permaculture and preparedness, the survival podcast and permaculture Pimpcast, both of those, I have that search tool that you can search through any topic you want that has been mentioned on either podcast in the last, however long Jack Spierko has been on YouTube, however many videos he's uploaded, they've all been transcribed graciously, graciously by YouTube, which, I mean, if there's one good thing YouTube did, it transcribed every single thing on their platform, so it gives you nothing but a search tool that's time-stamped, and once I get my crap together with my coding, I'll be able to make it hyperlinked to the minute and, uh, the hour and minute marker, so you can listen to it just with the click of a button, which would be nice, maybe then I'll actually host it as a website that's, uh, searchable by anyone, based on which, which podcast you want to listen to, and I'll just start I'll just keep on uploading files as I get them. Anyway, this is from the Permaculture... I am a stuttering mess today. This is from the Permaculture Pimpcast. Here you go. Christopher B. saying, Hello, I was wondering what kind of water you use when wetting your compost. Do you use chlorinated city water or perhaps water from a well? 
So we use well water. Um, but Ranjani Ranch, shout out to Ranjani Ranch. He figured out that if you add vitamin C, like if you fill up your, if you're using chlorinated and fluorinated water, uh, you fill up your five gallon buckets with, with that water, you set it outside in the sun and you add vitamin C to it. And I think you let it sit for like 24 hours or something like that. Uh, and then you can use it because he was doing his compost with the chlorinated water and he wasn't getting any activity. He was getting like, uh, he was struggling with it to just break down. And it was because of that chlorine. He just started doing that and then it started working. Yeah. How about that? How about that? There you go. I got my ding sound effect. I got my bell. It's not a real bell. It's a digital one. You can tell, but it's cool. Uh, there you go. How about that? How about that? Vitamin C, man. Vitamin C. It was vitamin C, right? I think it was vitamin C. He said vitamin C. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. That's all you need. That's all you need to dechlorinate your tap water. Dechlorinate your tap water and use it for composting. Use it for anything. It's just dechlorinated right now. I don't know if too much vitamin C that you dechlorinate it with would be a problem and then letting it sit out in the sun. I have no idea. But for composting, there you go. If you have problems with your water because you're using city water or well water, it doesn't matter if there's chlorine in it for any reason, well water shouldn't have it. But if there is city water with chlorine or fluoride in it, excuse me, then there you go. Your answer is vitamin C. Simple as that. So now that I got my clips out of the way, I want to start talking about some of these subjects that I have uh, on file here. So one of the subjects is I have for anyone who wants to start supporting me in more creative ways and actually does enjoy the show, then I have sticker packs that I'm going to make. So I just it's it's not for. It's not like, hey, pay me and you get stickers. It's more like really anyone who donates in any way, shape, or form, time, talent, treasure, and you'd like a sticker or two or three or a pack of them. And I only have one right now. And if you look at your screen, you'll see the one that I have. But my brother is actively working on sticker art that I can use to make more. And it's just kind of like a, hey, thanks for supporting. It's not really a uh, uh, tiered system or anything. It's just, hey, thanks for supporting. Here's some stickers for you. This is what I can do right now. I know that Tim Toolman Tim does patches, which are wonderful, and I'd like to do patches instead, and for other things, not just for the podcast. But over time, I'll get into more things. But if anyone has a mug or a computer that they want to put this on uh, and, and you'd like it, let me know if, if you're donating to the show or even if you want one. Right now, I have about 62 stickers that got printed from the Sticker App website just because I wanted to test it. Uh, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll send them out. This isn't supposed to be a full-time thing unless people want it like that. And then it'll go from there. But there's there's my promotion for my things that I'm trying to get out there. I'll have other things that I'd like to get support through in the future. Some of these ideas that I'm trying to build up and, and, and things of that nature. But until then, that's what I have. But then, then I want to talk about the no agenda meetups. The no agenda meetups. I'm sorry, my mic is like cutting out. My noise gate is a little too great on this. In North Idaho, myself and Scott the Jew meet up with other fellow No Agenda listeners all the time at a place in Post Falls. It's currently the one that we've decided is probably the best place. It's best suited for everyone. It's kind of close enough for everyone to get to. It's somewhat of a family environment, so you can bring people who are at least nine or maybe into the double digits old, and then you can get up to whatever and invite anyone from there because it is a pub. But it's kind of family oriented because there's no, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a pub. Uh, they do sell water, sparkling water and whatever else for anyone who's not a drinker but does want to meet up. And we're always open for suggestions on where else to meet up. But I decided to make a promo for the No Agenda show. And I want to play it here for anyone who might be in the North Idaho area who wants to listen and <laughs> go. Um, 
I'm laughing. That's my laugh tell because I'm embarrassed by it. But here's this for you to listen to. In the morning, slaves of the racist and homophobic Pacific Northwest. The North Idaho Sanity Brigade sends down a decree to all plebs. Every fourth Thursday of every month shall henceforth be known as Nay Day. Bring your family, your bonnie lass, and your dog and celebrate with your fellow slaves of Gitmo Nation. Drop my mic. <laughs> so, speaking of that, uh, if anyone wants to meet up, there you go. And speaking of No Agenda, on No Agenda Social, where is basically my only source of social media, uh, I stumbled across a post by Dan Ramos, and I just want to give him uh, credit for this because I'm stealing his uh, posts for content for my show. And this is a bit of world news. I need a world news segment, something that sounds like I'm reporting the news. But from the Daily Mail, DC cancels bisexual Superman, publisher sells series about Kal-El's son coming out and fighting climate change deniers after 18 issues as sales plummeted to just 34,000 last month, which, I mean, that's not terrible for sales of terrible comic book. But I wanted to use that as a springboard into explaining where, like the origins of Superman. And I want to ask anyone, this is kind of a, uh, a, 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 a did you know fact section of the show. Did you know that Superman was written by two Jews? Yeah, it's weird to say it that way, but uh, back in 1938, and I'm I'm just reading off the notes I took because I heard about this fact and I looked into it, but back in 1938, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster came out with the story of Clark Kent, who is Superman, and Kal-El being his father. And if you think about it, just think about the storyline here, okay? Think about the storyline here. There is a father in the sky or space or the heavens, whatever you want to call it, who sends his son down to earth. And the father happens to have the name Cal-El. El being short for God. Elohim and whatever other El. There's, um, uh, there's Elohim. There's, uh, oh my goodness, how am I blanking on all these names? El Shaddai. Um, all these other names, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on all of them. I didn't get notes for these. But all these other L names, they, they brought down Superman, or he, he sent down his son, who was Superman, to save the earth. I'm such a stuttering mess. I'm so sorry to everyone who's listening and suffering through this. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry that I don't edit this, but I don't. Anyway, they sent him down, and he, in the movie, the most recent movie that came out, now this isn't in every single comic, but there are, I think, I think they, they took that from the Superman versus Batman movie. I think they took it from the comic, the idea that Superman died and sacrificed himself to save humanity. And that's kind of a theme of superhero movies. That's a theme of it. Okay, I get it. And that's kind of the, there's a, a whole lore behind, uh, what is it, the hero of a thousand faces that uh, Joe, 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 someone, uh, the guy that George Lucas references all the time, can't remember his last name, but the guy's name is Joe. And he basically sold George Lucas and everyone else in Hollywood on the idea of the hero with a thousand faces. And that's basically what every movie's premise is now. There's a protagonist, an antagonist. There's uh, a s- internal struggle or an external struggle or something that they have to overcome. And that's what causes a great storyline. And the hero 
can be anyone. That's why it's called A Hero with a Thousand Faces and why there's so many protagonists and so many antagonists, and it all follows behind the same idea. But Superman was special for that reason. And now, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, even, even these two dudes who started the comic book, who were completely bastardizing the idea of Judaism and putting it into the idea of a comic book and selling it as uh, something that children and people all over the world should believe in as this is going to be your savior, not necessarily because it's just a comic book. That, I, I don't believe that was their true intention. I don't believe that. I think they were just selling it based on, hey, let's go ahead and push this good story that we've believed in our whole lives, repackage it for something that's going to be sold to the masses and make it fun and whimsical. And then ah, DC decided to screw it up, just turn it to complete and total dog crap. And that's what they did with this. It's no one wants to think of Superman as being bisexual. And you can't just change someone's storyline on a whim to suit the modern day's preferences. Not necessarily. You can. You know what? They have complete and total rights to it. Go for it. I say make him trans. Next. And make him call himself Superwoman. Or not even Superwoman. Super they. Call him Super they. And then we'll go from there. I just want to see how well that does. Super they to the rescue. Okay. I have one more thing before I get into my uh, cussing portion of this. Which I think I'm going to end this on. Actually. Yeah. No, two things. I have a movie recommendation. Movie recommendation. I haven't seen this thing in a long time. It's called Jacob the Liar. One of the best movies, best performances that Robin Williams has made in his life, I think. It's just because it's so intense and it really gets into what he enjoys doing, which is making voice, uh, doing voices, voice acting, and getting into a wide range of it. It's basically George Orwell, if he was in a concentration camp, and dies at the end. So I spoiled it for you, but you should watch the movie Jacob the Liar. And it's spelled J-A-K-O-B, The Liar. Go for it, because it is a wonderful movie. It's a heart-wrencher. It's one of the better ones. That's my movie recommendation for the day. But now, I want to get into this. So, John C. Dvorak, on the most recent uh, No Agenda show, I think it was the most recent one. I think it was this, yes, the one that I just listened to yesterday and today. He used the phrase, this is why we need cameras in the classroom or in classrooms. And that brought to my attention something that I had recorded quite a long time ago because that was a very old Substack article that he put together. Very old, meaning like just a few months old. But it was an old Substack article that he put together. And I thought, this is not just something that needs to be tucked away in Substack land because although Substack is an RSS feed, it's not a podcast feed necessarily because it's not an MP3 in the RSS file. So I thought I'm going to record your Substack articles in audio form for you and make it happen. And I'm going to play this clip that I recorded a while ago. It's kind of recorded properly to where it should work out well for everyone who's listening. And it might just sound like I just fade in without a hitch. Might. I'm not sure. Maybe the audio will drop a little bit or be a little bit unbalanced but you'll hear from here i'm gonna get out of the way for my old clip all right everyone this is claude again with uh with another value for value podcast episode i waited till 10 o'clock to get this figured out because my time management skills suck but this is it 
This is going to be another Substack entry for John C. Dvorak at the Oasis. I had a conversation with John on No Agenda Social, a short one at that, but I had a conversation about what it would take to do this the right way. And I don't want to, well, by the time you're going to be hearing this, this conversation will be in the wrong tense. Uh, I'm speaking of it in present tense, but it would be in past tense. Either way, I don't want this to be something that John wouldn't approve of. And for anyone that I do any recordings for, I want to reach out to that creator, whatever you want to call them, individually, and get their approvals and their permission to make sure that my voice is up to their standards, to make sure that I'm not, um, I don't know, disrespecting them in any way, not doing them wrong in any way, misrepresenting them in any way, um, getting the tone proper for the way I'm reading it, just everything production-wise I want to do proper. So, with all that being said, this will be the most recent Substack article from John C. Dvorak called Put Cameras in the Classrooms, April 11th, 2022. The idea of cameras in classrooms picked up steam during the COVID era, when teachers held virtual classes. Parents would often peek in at what the children were being taught. They realized that, in too many instances, teachers were delivering propaganda or social justice lessons rather than reading, writing, and arithmetic. In many school districts, teachers have gone off the rails in believing that today's children are not radicalized enough. The kids should be out protesting, resisting. So what if an 8th grader reads at a 3rd grade level? There's injustice in the world! The teachers and the administration never recognize the fact that they're actually the ones responsible for that injustice by not teaching school subjects. On the No Agenda podcast, I often joke that the American school system from the beginning to the end has one goal, to create more Democrat voters. This happens with selective teaching, where specific facts are taught at the expense of other facts that may or may not balance understanding. The best recent example of this is the uncritical adoption of the anti-American Howard Zinn texts by schools across the country. But there are plenty of other concerns, many of which began with the introduction of the oddball Common Core curriculum. It faced backlash after parents discovered that their kids were learning nonsense mechanisms to do simple math. The introduction to critical race theory came next. This was a race-centric version of the 1970s critical theory developed by a group of European Marxists. In fact, this wasn't taught per se in most classrooms, but the hip teachers were all indoctrinated in the philosophies. They passed the ideas on to the naive students, thinking it was a good thing. You know, give them a head start so they could become good little socialists and vote for Democrats. This is still in play, though some educators are now headed in the direction of SEL, social and emotional learning. Instead of teaching a fourth grader the mathematical times tables, you teach them how to feel. This promotes sensitivity and empathy as a classroom focus. It's reminiscent of the self-esteem fad. SEL ups the ante and makes the curriculum incorporate left-wing concepts of equality, collectivism, and social justice, all under the guise of fairness. CASEL, or C-A-S-E-L, the leading organization pushing this coursework, has proposed an even more aggressive version of SEL called transformative SEL. Who knows what other learning mechanisms or courses of study are out there? Does this hinder a student's ability to think for themselves, let alone do math well? This is exactly why cameras in the classroom are important. Why anyone would object to it is baffling. But there are plenty of other reasons that monitoring fits in with the modern era. Is it your child who's disruptive? Are you in denial about your child being anything but an angel? See for yourself. And the most horrible children might aspire to a higher standard if they knew that their parents might be watching. 
This aspect of cameras is important because it protects teachers who might otherwise show reluctance to cameras in the classroom. This is the same argument the left uses when it insists that police wear cameras. It protects the police and the public. Cameras in classrooms would protect the teachers and the children. The real roadblock is implementation. Teachers stream their classes during lockdown and it seemed to work fine. And while many kids have camera phones capable of streaming, you can be sure that it will cost too much or be impossible to install, etc., etc. Well, it must happen, sooner or later. The good schools that are actually interested in educating the children will and should find a way. For more of Dvorak, listen to the No Agenda podcast. This has been another Value for Value production of the Substack by John C. Dvorak at The Oasis. And that was my Value for Value contribution to John C. Dvorak. I do a lot more for Adam and No Agenda by sending in clips once in a while, sending in donations through Bitcoin, which Adam is in control of because John doesn't want anything to do with it, and just trying to be a value to Adam as much as I can. But that's my value to John. I'd like to continue doing those. And I have two more recordings of previous Substack articles that I'd like to release as well. And those will be in the next two episodes, as well as the most recent one that came out, which is about uh, Biden and his impeachment that's upcoming, I believe, is what it's about. So, yeah, there's that. Now, on to the last segment. And I think you might notice that I did not play the money segment, did not play the donation segment, because as far as I can tell, unless something changed today, yeah, nothing changed today. Um, in the past seven days, I got no donations. None. Other than um, some streaming boosts, which I'll mention that Mere Mortals and I think Pitar both listened to the most recent one. And they don't have to donate because they've already donated as much. And I can see that they got their streams on, so that's great. But I didn't get any boosts, so there's no donation segment other than to mention that uh, Kyron and Pitar both listened. So there's that. But as the last part of this, I want to read off um, a sentence I put together. And I tried to go on No Agenda Social to get an English teacher to help me out here. And if, if there's any person who has this playing for anyone who doesn't like cussing, I'm sorry. You can turn it off now because after this, I'm just going to end it with my end of show ISO and my five stars. I don't have a song for this one. Uh, I'm slacking. But consistency of releasing schedule needs to be better. And then I'll get consistency of uh, structure in the podcast. But now's the time to cover your ears. This podcast episode won't get an explicit tag on it because I don't care about tags in that way. I don't think that they are that important. I don't think that they'll stop anyone. If anything, I think they'll encourage people to listen because they want to hear the next exciting thing like cussing. So all I want to do here is explain that cuss words, and this works for, uh, okay, uh, so you see, I don't, it's not that I haven't cussed before. When I was a teenager, I cussed my, cussed my balls off. I just cussed so much. And it became kind of just like one of those sentence enhancers. And I didn't truly value what it means to cuss. And to cuss just means to put a certain level of intonation on things and a certain level of, I don't know, extra emphasis on words and statements that you make that make people understand that you feel a certain way about things strongly in certain ways, not always in anger. But here's, here's my sentence with the shit word. So here we go. Oh, shit.
You're batshit crazy if you think dark. <laughs> I gotta start again. <clears throat> okay, I wrote this and I can't read it. Oh shit, you're batshit crazy if you think your dog shit ideas will ever be anything more than a steaming pile of horse shit. Your problem is, you think you're hot shit. So, that's probably the most cussing you're going to get out of me on any of these shows, uh, I think. Hopefully. Hopefully I don't lean into anything else. But I wanted to make that clear to people. I don't like cussing on my show. I've done it before. I can do it. And I, I understand the utility of it. I understand that it's there for other things. But... It's, um, it's there. That's just a sentence I put together. It's nothing special. It's just something that I thought of that would give a good idea of what there's a difference. There's a difference between bad shit, which means crazy. There's a difference between dog. Well, I'm just going to name them. Bad shit means crazy. Dog shit means horrible. Horse shit means I can't believe this. Uh, oh shit means, oh my goodness. Uh, you could even say that's good as shit. If you're talking about some ice cream or that's some good shit, which means that's, that's something of high quality. And you can say, you think you're hot shit, which means you think you're something of importance. And you can continue on with these examples. But it just continues on. And all you have to say is those few words, and it brings a certain level of emphasis onto what you're trying to indicate to someone with your, your speech. So, yeah, I need to go wash my mouth out. <laughs> People who cuss on the regular will think that I'm an idiot, but... This is me. This is one of my things. I try my hardest not to drink. I try my hardest not to smoke. I try my hardest not to cuss. And I try my hardest to do th to do these things. Not because I think I'm better than anyone. Not because I think that this will get me into heaven. Not because of any of those reasons. It's just because I try my hardest to be a person that doesn't need to use those things. Doesn't mean that I haven't succumbed to them in the past or will in the future. Doesn't mean that I haven't. I'm not even going to say succumb to them because that just sounds like, oh, it's something that oh, you can't get rid of and you're a horrible person if you do it or if you fall into it. That's not my point. I'm just saying. I'm trying not to do it. For that reason, y'all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this one. I'm going to leave this one here. Kind of shorter. Kind of something that people would be able to listen to on times too and still get through it. If they can get through all my stuttering. I have... Oh, hold on. I think I have a little bit more. I think I have a little bit more. If I do, I'll put it in here. Uh, if I don't, no, I need to study these for the next one. I have them in the show notes and I'll put them on the show notes of the next episode as well. So if you look into the show notes on this episode, you'll hear what I'm talking about in the next episode. You already have a refresher, but one is on Greek fire that I just learned about, which is kind of crazy to think about. And it falls into my conspiracy segment that I'm going to be able to whip out again. And then one about a gasifier. If you haven't heard of a gasifier or the Greek fires, or what's called Greek fire. Tune into the next episode and I'll give you a intense rundown with photos and links to videos and everything that you need to research this on your own and maybe even some resources to look into the gasifier in your area. Maybe, I have no idea. But we'll look into that. Anyway, I'm signing off on this one. I'm gonna leave you with my end of show ISO and the one that's always at the end of the show, which is my amazing son. Peace. I'm kind of retarded. Can my podcast give me five stars?